So what we need to do as parents is instead to nurture our child's knowledge of who God is. Because when we know who God is, then we can stand firm in the midst of trials. Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it, we keep it reals. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another Mama Bear Apologetics podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you raise up the next generation to be warriors in the faith. Well, welcome to week two of Advent, where we are readying our hearts for the celebration of the birth of Christ. Now, last week, our focus was on hope, and we saw through the carol of O Come Emmanuel, just beautifully pointed to fulfilled prophecy of the coming of Christ, as well as to future fulfillment for Christ's return. Now, our focus on second week of Advent is peace, which might feel a little hard to come by, especially if you've got little ones around the house or maybe in-laws coming. That's why it's so important for us just to really refresh ourselves in Christ. So that's why in this podcast, we're not only going to take a look at a second amazing carol that you're already familiar with, but we're also going to look at practical tips that you can do to nurture peace within your household during this Christmas season. And I promise you, it doesn't involve any duct tape. So let's take a look. So our carol that just we really felt pointed toward hope is O Holy Night. Now, this carol has a bit of controversy behind it. It was actually written in 1843 in France by Placide Capau. Now, he was actually a poet and not even a Christian, but in his hometown, they were renovating the church, and the priest was really excited about this renovation. And he said, hey, for the coming Christmas season, I would love for you to write a poem about the coming of Christ, which, you know, hitting this guy who is not even a Christian kind of caught him aback. But instead, he dove into Luke 2 and really just tackled this, what would eventually become a carol from the perspective of what would it be like if I was there personally watching the birth of Christ, which would be incredible. So he ended up pairing up with what is historically taught as a Jewish composer, and they composed this wonderful song that was sung on uh, at Christmas in that church and became wildly popular. Now, the controversy behind it is uh, Capot, he actually ended up becoming a socialist leader and completely renouncing the church, rejecting him completely. And so for a lot of folks within the church, they didn't even want the carol sung anymore because it seemed like, well, he ran off to become a socialist. Why would we sing his music? However, this song is absolutely beautiful, and it has some wonderful themes of hope within it. So let's take a look and see what's going on. So in verse one, we have that classic opening, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a glorious 
and new morn. Fall on your knees, oh hear the angel voices, and then you have that beautiful refrain, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. Now, what might strike you as noticeable right off the bat is this use of the word pining. Now, this is more of an old-fashioned term, and we often think of it in the context of romance, like I'm pining after my lover. But actually, it can it can mean uh, this longing after uh, someone because of a broken heart. So it can actually refer to mental and even physical suffering and decline, particularly because of a broken heart. It means that you miss or are longing for that person and can even refer to punishment. And when you actually look back at the verse that it's used in, where it's talking about here, long lay the world in sin and error pining. So here's the world who is is just kind of succumbing to its brokenness, and it is pining. It is crying out for the coming of the Savior. It's, it's beautiful. And it even points our parallels to the verses that speak of the earth crying out as if in labor pains. And what's beautiful about this is it's, uh, we're told, oh, holy night, oh, holy night. But what was really beautiful about that night wasn't that it wasn't it, its existence, but was the passing of night, as we're going to see here shortly. It says here, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So we saw from last week when we talked about hope and how God is called, Jesus is called the day spring, the dawn. You know, it, what's glorious was that the night was ending and that here we have this beautiful dawn. We have this, this uh, restoration. And so all of the earth is crying out. All of creation is crying out. And this fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices. You have this odd reverence. Uh, one of my favorite descriptions of God is that he is so holy, he's dangerous. And I believe that's found in Chronicles of Narnia, as he's referred to in that description. And when you think of this odd reverence, when you are just in front of it, oh my gosh, you can't help but just fall on your knees and bask in the glory of God. And that is what uh, Capot was, was really encapsulating here. Now, the next thing you might notice is its reference of the soul. So here we go. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. So we see the world crying out to God. It says, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Now, that's interesting when we think of the soul feeling its worth. Like, did it not have a concept of how important it was? And that's not really what it's referring to. So when we actually look back at the law, what the law shows us is how much we cannot atone for ourselves. We need a savior to atone for us. And this, this feeling of worth and value comes through what Christ did. He completely humbled himself. He stepped down from the glories of heaven instead to embody a human form in all of its its hindrances. I mean, he experienced pain and hunger and loss just like we did. And yet he came alongside us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of the worst of what we were and said we were worthy enough to die for. He loved us enough to die for us. And this is just completely beautiful. I mean, when you think of someone dying for you, what does that say about who you are? that you were just immensely precious. And it's it's incredible. And we see this even rooted in our image bearer status as we are created in the image of God in Genesis 1.27. We are made in his image, which means we have inherent value and dignity that isn't determined by what we look like or how many followers we have on social media. We have it in virtue of, of living, of being made in his image. And the cross, as we see in John 15.13, we have immense worth that he loved us so much for while we were yet sinners, even though we were broken and lost and separated, God 
sent his son to die for us because he loved us. And why did he do it? Because he he was here to serve. We saw that in Matthew 20, 28, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even though we are flawed and broken individuals, Jesus saw us in our captivity of sin and said, no, I'm here to give a ransom for you. And that's absolutely beautiful, which is why we see in these passages, the soul finally felt its worth. Imagine that moment of realizing, oh my gosh, I have value. I got to experience this once with a teen who she came up to me and she was 17 and she had no idea she had value until she had heard the gospel. I mean, that is just incredible, but that's what it does. It affirms who you are and who you are is not based on these worldly standards. Instead, it's rooted in the beauty and truth of God. That's absolutely wonderful. Now in verse two, we have this description of watching the wise men appear. So here we go, led by the light of faith, serenely beaming with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So here uh, Capot is imagining himself at the cradle of Christ. And he goes, uh, with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here come the wise men from Orient land. So he's, it's like he's watching them arrive. Because the king of kings lay thus in lowly manger. I mean, the king of kings, the ultimate. I mean, here he is in a manger, a feeding trough for farm animals. And yet that is where the king of king is laying. It's incredibly humble. In all our trials born to be our friend, he knows our need to our weaknesses is no stranger. Or excuse me, to our weaknesses, no stranger. Behold your king before him lowly bend. Behold your king before him lowly bend. So uh, let's just unpack that a little bit. So by faith, we come to stand. So this isn't meaning like we're, we're Christ never grew up from that little baby in the manger. I know some of you are thinking of, you know, that famous Ricky Bobby quote, but no, what it's talking about is his humility, this lowliness that Christ took on this mantle of humanity instead to be able to recognize, reconcile us to God. And this lonely manger, he gave it all up. And I love this in Romans 5, 8, for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were yet sinners, he chose to do this. I mean, so many of us, we won't we won't go out of our way for someone unless we, we like them for one. And it isn't too much of an inconvenience. I think especially the older you get, the less willing you are to leave your house. Now you just want to stay home in cozy pants and not be bothered with the world. But God gave up everything to be reconciled with us is wonderful. Now look at this passage here. Uh, this is wonderful for pointing out his humanity. It says, in all our trials, he knows our need to our weakness is no stranger. So again, we see this hypostatic union. It's that union of, of God and man. It affirms Christ's humanity because uh, as the church would grow, there would be pushback. It's like, well, Christ wasn't actually human. Uh, it's called docetism. And no, he actually was. He knows our weaknesses. He went through the trials and temptations. So this passage is actually pointing back toward Matthew 4, 1 through 11, which is pointing to the temptation that Christ endured. He went through all all the temptations so that he can rightly empathize with our struggles as well as be a perfect example of how to navigate those temptations and struggles and to seek to be godly in the midst of them. And the passage just below that, it says he was born to be our friend. Now, historically, there's been some pushback with this depiction of Christ because they think it's kind of a trivial description of Christ. Like he wasn't born to be our friend. He was born to be our Lord, our master, our king. Yes, that's true. 
but he was also our friend. And I think that's because in today's Sam or today's culture, we just treat friends as very trivial. I mean, oftentimes our friends are just superficial. They're online acquaintances or maybe a friend out of convenience. Like everybody loves the guy who owns the truck at work because he can help you move. But this is not the friendship that he's talking about. So Jonathan Edwards describes it as, let it be our first love to enter into an everlasting friendship with Christ that shall never be broken. I mean, this friendship really highlights the fellowship that we get to have with God, and it's wonderful. In fact, in John 15, 15, we see, no longer do I call you servants. These are the words of Jesus. For the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. No, I have called you friends. For all I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So again, there's this beautifully intimate relationship that we get to call Christ, our Savior, our Master, our Lord, our King, our friend as well. And it is amazing because again, as we see in John 15, 13, no greater love than this, than a man who lays down his life for his friend. And that's exactly what Christ would go on to do, is that he would lay down his life for us, that we can call him our friend. No other religion has that beautiful picture, has that truth, or has that relationship. Instead, no, we can commune as friends with the creator of the universe. Lastly, verse three, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy, in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory forevermore proclaim. Oof, I got chills reading that last bit. And it's no wonder because it is just complete reverence to God. Now, this passage specifically struck an abolitionist in 1855 by the name of John Sullivan Dwight. He was also a minister. He heard this song and he goes, wait a second, we here in America, we need to be singing this song. And so he translated it into English and it just really resonated, especially among the time. This is six years before the start of the Civil War. And that breaking of the chains was just a cry in the North toward the the vileness of slavery and instead how we need to take a biblical look at all of humanity. And if we are made in God's image, then we do not need to be enslaving one another. And we see this affirmed in Galatians 3.28, through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So again, we see condemnation under the law, but through the birth and ultimate death of Christ, we see that we are justified in this act. And so this song is praising that, that he came to break chains, that he, now the slave is to be our brother. In fact, it is in freedom that we have this. So Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Not just slavery of one man oppressing another, but the slavery of sin as well, because the yoke of Christ is easy to bear. And it is just, it, it it's humbling to know that we are all equal with one another. And that is what we see through Christ. So Christ came to break chains, and we actually see this demonstrated throughout Scripture and not and in our own lives. He is breaking us from the chains of, of addiction, of sin, and we can be restored through Christ. Now, with this song, what we want to help remind our kids is that we can even nurture peace within our home. 
And there's a few ways that we should we should do this. First and foremost, we need to take time to get to know who God is. Now, when we look at Peter, the the story of Peter walking on water, he knew who Christ was. He had fellowship with him for several years, and yet when he was stepping out on the waves, he was so distracted by the waves, he his vision was pulled from the one who walked upon them. And so that's where we as parents need to help nurture our children's understanding of who God is, because this world is going to do a fantastic job of trying to distract them to the majesty and the glory and the power of God. It will it will cause them to even wobble in their faith if they do not have that firm foundation. So what we need to do as parents is instead to nurture our child's knowledge of who God is, because when we know who God is, then we can stand firm in the midst of trials. And we see this constantly. In fact, when you look throughout scripture, what you find is when people are wavering in their faith, I'm talking about Job, um, Habakkuk, if you've ever read that book as of recently, what you always see is God always going back to the foundation. He goes, wait a second, who am I? What have I done? And he's reminding them of these foundational issues because people are so distracted by the trials going on around them that they are forgetting who God is. And when we remember who he is, then we can stand firm in faith. So we need to take time to get to know who God is. Now, last week, we talked about all of these attributes and titles of God. That's a great place to start with your kiddos. But again, pull them to the Gospels. Read to them the stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John so they can get to know the faithfulness of God. Next, we need to nurture intimacy with God. Now, this can be challenging to do during our holiday season because, again, there's so much going on. And there are times, depending on the personality of your kid, sitting down and reading scripture and having this discussion, it can seem forced and it can seem like your kids are checking out. So what I would encourage you to do is if you've got kids who need to be more up and moving, I've got three boys, they are busy people. Instead, incorporate godly conversations in everyday tasks. So as you are going out for a walk, as you are cooking, as you are riding in the car, or if you are cleaning, setting up lights, whatever you're doing, take small moments and point back to biblical truths. Because again, this nurtures this, this relationship. Again, a friendship is, it's casual, but it's, it's easy. It's conversational. It's something that we do daily. And so when we nurture that within our kiddos, they will say, wait a second. Time with God isn't just, okay, prayer before meal or prayer before bed. No, it's something that I do regularly. I actually recognize aspects of God throughout what I'm seeing during my day. I hear false teachings in music and TV. And what am I doing? I'm meditating on God's word. I'm evaluating what's being said and taking that back towards God's word so I know what truth is. So nurturing this uh, everyday conversation. In fact, that's what we're told to do is when you wake up in the morning, speak. And as you're out and about, and as you're going for a walk, and as you're doing your job, speak to your children about who God is, because that helps nurture intimacy and helps them get to know who God is. And we want to encourage our kids always to seek truth, not a worldly stand-in. So TikTok, social media, they're always going to offer these false counterfeits for flourishing and godliness and peace. And nope, those aren't going to measure up. It is only in knowing who Christ is that we are going to have peace. So first, we want to take time to get to know who, he, who God is. Next, we want to nurture intimacy with God. Third, we want to nurture peace in those around us. So the holidays, there's always talk. In fact, just flip on the Hallmark Channel, right? It is always about reconciliation, about forgiveness. Take a hard look at what's going on in your life right now. Is there some forgiveness that needs to be extended to a family member? 
Is there reconciliation that's possible? Now, reconciliation, it's a two-person process. It's not only you, it's also the other person. So reconciliation isn't always going to be possible. However, we can always do that first step of extending forgiveness. So forgiveness, does there some need to be extended? If you've got kids, multiple, there might be some forgiveness that needs to be extended between a couple of the siblings. Nurture that. How can we offer forgiveness? What about humility? Is there some humility that needs to be going on in your in your house? Is there a time that maybe you need to admit, hey, I was wrong in this, or I have been behaving incorrectly. Please forgive me. I'm going to strive to do better. One of the challenges that pulls people away from the faith is they always say, well, Christianity, it's just a bunch of hypocrites. And what they don't realize is that we are all just a bunch of sinners striving after God. And what makes us more Christ-like is our ability to, one, be convicted of our sin and humbly come to that person and ask for forgiveness. We're modeling Christ in that. And so we want to nurture that within our children. The best way for us to do it is, hey, maybe there's an instance where I need to ask for forgiveness myself for something I did, and that requires humility. Lastly, if you have got little artists in your house, one great thing to do, this is very on trend for Christmas decor right now, is to make a garland, kind of like what you see behind me. This can be done with paper plates, brown paper bags, construction paper. You can string it with ribbon or colored yarn, but take time to have your kiddos cut out the word peace and hang up this wonderful garland. Now you can actually tie this with Bible verse, if you want to maybe write one in at the bottom or just the reference itself, you can pick your favorite verse about peace. I've got two to offer you here. So this first one is John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Or this one here in Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This can be a fun craft for you to get together. Talk about the concept of peace with your kids as they're cutting and crafting. And oh, if you're feeling bold, use glitter. You're not going to be able to vacuum it up till at least Easter, but it'll be a beautiful reminder of peace throughout this holiday season. And make sure you tag us on social media so that we can see your wonderful crafts. Well, Mama and Papa Bears, Grandmama and Grandpapa Bears, I hope this is a blessing to you, not only to learn some of the theology behind the carol itself, but also as a motivator to keep peace within this season and to pass on this message of peace to your children and grandchildren, because it is available to all believers. And no peace will not ultimately be restored on this earth until Christ's return, but that's okay because we have hope within him that he will make all things new. Thank you so much for joining us for this quick little podcast with Mama Bear Apologetics. Stay tuned as we do two more carols to see you through this season of Advent. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. We are all in this together.